My name is Katie Lee. My name is Malachi. And, and this, this is, is Connectional. Connectional is a podcast of the Minnesota Annual Conference, the United Methodist Church. The United Methodist Church uses the word connectionalism and calls it a vital web of interactive relationships. You can find us on Facebook and wherever else you find your podcast. Okay, let's start the show. I no, I had somebody getting sassy with me on Twitter today because, again, being like Twitter whatever, um, famous or pseudo famous, um, somebody was like, Will you click? Um, they laughed at me because I used the words biblical fluency because I said that anybody who says that Jesus is, um, that Jesus wasn't a refugee because, or no, Jesus was a refugee because the census was being forced on them by a, what did they say, pan European monolith trying to take over the world? <laughs> And I was like, no, Jesus was a refugee because Herod was trying to kill him. You're like conflating the two biblical stories. And that's just like, that's just not. I think I said lazy biblical fluency. And somebody, some random person replied and was like, well, who says ba- lazy biblical fluency? Oh, dot, dot, dot. And I was like, dot, 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 people who read the Bible. <laughs> and she responded with, you clearly don't. And I was like, well. Can I help you? Because this is evidence of your, like, your authority. Like, is it because you, and so I was like, okay, so apparently this is about my marriage. Can you explain to me why my marriage can't, uh, like, doesn't allow me to be able to read a book? Right. I haven't, they haven't responded. <laughs> Surprising. But I was just like, like, guys, I've been doing, like, I, I've calculated it. I've been, like, I have a bachelor in religion. I got, I started that when I was 19. That means I've been doing this for 15 years. Like. Right. Like, you got to figure it out. I, I, I as think. As much as we can, you know. I, th- I think I've. I think I've read a lot. I want to say your name. My name Who is Emmy Kegler. I serve as pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in Northeast Minneapolis. Grace is a servant-hearted neighborhood congregation focused on feeding the hungry and community outreach. Is this already recording? I don't want to miss that. That was pretty. I can do it again. It's the. It's, our, no, it's, it's my our, standard line. It's already recording. Okay. So far, we've been doing the format of thirty questions in thirty minutes. That's right. Um. So trying to keep things like. I don't know. I mean, we just don't... We could talk, obviously, forever. I was about to say, I feel like 30 Like, we could talk for, like, three hours. But, right. um, so, you already had your your formal introduction, but I'm curious which what... Which was great, by the which way. Which was fantastic. Um, and that's already too. question one, so I keep a tally. Um, okay, great. And we can... Basically, we can circle back stop to uh, whenever we hit 30 minutes or 30 questions, whichever comes whatever first. Whatever comes first. Oh, okay. Whatever comes first. So, it's sort of like a game, right? Like, I feel like this friends. is a challenge. I'm going to get to 30 yeah. 30. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, she failed. No, I didn't and me, that. the talker, I finished in twenty six minutes. So, all right, great. Are we start. When are we start? Are we started already? Okay, um, go. Next what, question. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll count it at like three minutes. So we've got we've been one minute in. We're fine. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm curious, what brought you to this church? To Grace, particularly, yeah, like in this neighborhood. There were a lot of opportunities that Grace was looking to step into. They are. Uh, merger of three existing congregations that already were in this neighborhood that faithfully stepped out of having congregational buildings and instead stepped into um, investing in a community center that can then house some of the stuff you already saw tonight, the fact that we have an open access food shelf, that we have um, gym space for community rental, that we have a beautiful sanctuary. All of that was because of the faithful work of the people of Grace. And then they were looking for then a way to step also into new imagination in ministry as well. So where were you before this neighborhood? This is my first call. <gasps> Yay! Really? Yeah. Congratulations! First call. So I, I I know I have the gray hair, but it's <laughs> <laughs> gray hair is really in right now. I was about to say it's kind of a thing. Gray yeah. hair is in. Yeah. It's true. So that's why you did it. 
That's right. Oh yeah, this is encouraged. I I I individually dyed each (laughs) strand. (laughs) Like I don't have a cool rogue from X Men stripe. Like this is all just salt and peppered (laughs) in there. Yeah, perfect. Very, uh, yeah. It's going to be all the rage, especially after this episode of this podcast breaks. People are going to be Right, that's like, going to be the thing requested crazy. at the salon. I'm going to go get platinum dye so I can look like you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can only do one out of every three braids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay, so then where were you at seminary? I was at Luther Seminary. Oh, okay. yeah. Right here. I'm there yeah. now. Mm-hmm. That's great. What was your favorite class at Luther? Ooh. Oh, uh, feminist, womanist, and muharista theologies. Wait, say that last word. Muharista. Uh, it's coming out of Hispanic Latina theology, uh, fem- feminist theologies. So specifically informed by being out of um, Hispanic Latina and Chicana communities. Awesome. And so why? So obviously you went to Lutheran seminary. You're at a Lutheran church. You're super Lutheran. Sounds like <laughs> <laughs> either a super Lutheran or super Lutheran. I'm... I don't know which one. I have found um, an ecclesiastical home in the Lutheran <laughs> Church, but I I think there will always be a part of me that's a sojourner, um, mm. and will still have there. There's still deep love in me for the Episcopal Church in which I was raised. There's still a lot of um, deep love and deep hope for non-denominational churches, which is where I was when I was a teen. So um, the Lutheran Church has just been the middle way for me between those two spaces, okay. but. Um, if in 20 years I am moving on to a new congregation, if it was UCC or Episcopalian, I would not have a problem with those. What about Methodist? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if y'all would take me. Oh, oh gladly. Right. Yeah. I mean, glad, me and Malachi, I mean, you can start our revolution. You can join our revolution. Great. Perfect. Um, so you mentioned that you grew up uh, Episcopal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, how did how'd you end up... Um, because I also serve in a denomination that I did not grow up in. Mm-hmm. So what was that journey or transition like for you? How'd you end up in the, were you ordained in the EOCA? Mm-hmm. So how'd you end up ordained in the EOCA if you grew up in a different tradition? I started wandering when I was a teenager out of the Episcopal Church. And the way I expressed my teenage rebellion was by going to an Assemblies of God <laughs> youth group. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. I can't see faces. I'll just take pictures. So... Um, (laughs) so once I, you know, fled that screaming in terror, um, I ended up at a Lutheran, uh, private liberal arts college. And I thought that I was going to pursue a music degree because I really wanted to do ministry, but felt, um, both having seen the struggles of ordained gay people within the Episcopal church, and then also, you know, receiving the very explicit Christian cultural messages of like, LGBT people are not welcome in church um, and are certainly not welcome to serve as pastors. I said, well, I know that's not true, but I don't want to go through the stress of doing it. So I'm going to become a music educator and that's the way I'm going to change the world. And that works really well if you have any skill in music. (laughs) Um, And I can... Like, if, if if you need me to plunk out a single line of a hymn on the piano and you're okay with me missing maybe, like, 23% of the notes, then we're good. But that's not enough to teach choir. Um, so, yeah, I had to deal with the fact – I had to come back to the fact that I was called to ministry, and I did that within a Lutheran context. So, really, just what happened was at this time that when I was expect- accepting my call into ministry, it was happening at a Lutheran college, and I had Lutheran people around me and was taking Lutheran theology classes and just went – yeah, okay, I'm really into this, and I'm just going to dive full in, and they've accepted me from, the leadership that I've run into has accepted me from day one, um, the whole 
Lutheran church in America took took a little longer to get there, but everybody that I encountered, you know, welcomed me in from day one, and I said, okay, this is this is my home now. Awesome. Points for honest reflection. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Was I supposed to lie? Back that up. <laughs> it's because the Lutheran church is theologically the most sound of all the American wow. denominations. Oh, beautiful. Thou shalt not bear false witness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm just going to bear witness, bear witness to this discussion. Well, so so I, I'm, am I hearing you correctly in mm. saying that you never had really, like, a coming out moment with the Lutheran Church? You just sort of, or was there, like, a coming out time in ministry when it came to, like, oh, I'm starting my ministry? Were you just feeling like you were always able to be your whole self in ministry? Or did you feel like you had to kind of come out in ministry? <sighs> By the time I... When I accepted my call into ministry at age 19, I did it fully out. Yes. So at that point, yes. Up until then, there were a lot of stuttering starts where I'd be like, oh, I think I want to do stuff with the church. But there's something different about me and I don't want anyone to know. (sighs) So uh, we did that for about five years. And then at 19 was when I really got to the point of like, okay, I do actually believe the witness of other um, lesbian and gay, you know, openly partnered people that have gone before me, that this is a possibility. And that not only is it a possibility, but I think I'm courageously called into it. Courageously called. Mm, that's beautiful. It is. We should all get matching tattoos of that. I'm into it. On our faces. Well, Less face. into it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like behind Katie, do you have any tattoos? I can see I Malachi's, one. but... It's an olive branch. Oh, that's nice. That's a good placement, too. Thank you. I'm obsessed with my placement. I really like it. Well, I need job security in case this passive thing doesn't work out, so face tattoos is probably not a plus for me. (laughs) Yeah! Unless I'm going to be a rapper, which I don't predict. Well, (laughs) although you've got the poetry done. That's true. You've got some good poetry. And, you know, rapping is all about storytelling and bringing community together yeah. so there's pastoral there's you pastoral trajectory isn't that you're a very affirming presence last time it was you should write a book now it's like you can be a rapper yeah. <laughs> do you want to write a book i can talk to my editor yeah. <laughs> that's right i need your business card again <laughs> yeah um so, curious, uh, oh what so on that topic yeah. what mm-hmm. uh, what's your book about and mm-hmm. what made you decide to write one or to write this particular one Speaking of my editor, she's the one who came to me and said, we, you know, the editing team that I work with at Fortress Press think that you have a book that is worthwhile to sort of bring to the world. And I kind of pushed back on that for a long time and then threw a lot of different projects at her that she said, no, this isn't, this isn't what we're looking for. This isn't quite it. This isn't quite it. Those are all in a file for someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she and I sat down and kind of kicked around, like, what, what are they really looking for and what are we what is the story that I'm longing to tell? And also what is the story that isn't being told? Because I knew I didn't want to write another book about like, I'm a gay Christian and it's okay. And everybody just be okay now. But I knew that was also very much part of my story. So that's what the book is trying to do. The book ended up being called One Coin Found, How God's Love Stretches to the Margins. And it's meant to be an interwoven personal memoir and biblical overview about the way that God's love is so very expansive and very courageously invitational to us. Courageously invitational. Apparently really encouraged this week. I don't know what's... Just do it. Just go with it. Just lean into it. I'm about uh, halfway through your book. I'm having to... I feel like we would have been very good friends growing up. <laughs> That's the feeling I have. 
Okay, I think great. because I also, like, you geek out as a teenager in ways that I'm like, oh my gosh, nobody understands, except for those of us who were, like, weird Christian Like kids. the ecclesiological geeking out? Yeah, like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> yes, it's Maundy Thursday. Yeah. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to stay up all night in the garden. Exactly, like your prayer nights, like with your mom, you're like waking up at 3 a.m. to go and like pray in the middle of the night. And I was like, when I was in college at an Episcopal church, it was like I lived for Holy Week. I just Mm -hmm. lived for it. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate uh, all of that. You are really a very talented writer. And I'm wondering about how... um, do you have a favorite kind of medium? Like you, you're doing a lot of speaking now, doing podcasting, you're writing, you're preaching. Do you have a favorite way to be sort of sharing in the world? I really like preaching. I very much like being part of a congregation and doing that work um, because it means that everything is really contextual and I can keep building on ideas and get responsive more get responses more directly from the congregation or from the audience that I'm working with. Whereas like a book just kind of, you put it down and you just launch it into the world and you have no more control over the content. Like there are things that I look at the book and in the book and go, oh my gosh, why did I think that I should write it that way? 90% of the stuff that should not have been written got edited out. Mm. So I'm very grateful to my editor. Sometimes I look at the first draft and I go, oh my gosh, thank you for <laughs> saving me from myself. Um, but yeah, I like having a, a more intimate relationship with a community that a pastor can have and then preaching into that and being able to build on that over time. I still love speaking opportunities. I love podcasting. I very much enjoy writing for the internet and for books, but that that relationship where it's really it's very much more relational and back and forth is is most sustaining for me at this point. Do you have uh, what do you what do you think this congregation is teaching you right now? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um the where I'm getting to walk right now with grace is in this space of how how we truly on a practical level implement the respect for tradition and the integration of contemporary questions and struggles of so many people who feel like you know, quote unquote, normal church is not for them. Mm -hmm. And Grace is very much still a liturgical church, you know, very much rooted in the lectionary, uh, the lectionary cycle of readings, very much rooted in the liturgical calendar and the cycle of seasons, and then getting to reinterpret that and figure out how do we create worship for people for whom this has been a reality for 60 years, and Advent has always been Advent, versus people who have never heard of Advent before and are like, why are you throwing Latin at me in the middle of... (laughs) Like, I just need to survive this retail season. Mm -hmm. So how do we make Advent real for that whole community? Oh, my gosh, that's so... It stretches my mind creatively. It stretches us worship-wise. It stretches me as far as theological reflection goes. It's really, really... um, That's really life-giving for me right now. Can you give an example of what's something sort of tangible that's happened because of that conversation? So one of the things that we've been doing is figuring out how to play with different parts of sort of the standard Lutheran liturgy. So for example, when we do um, the Kyrie, when we do the Agnus Dei, which is the Lamb of God, when we sing um, the Glory to God, the, you know, these songs of praise, normally those come out of liturgical sections in our hymnal and have been very specifically written. And instead we're using Christmas carols Mm. because that's what people that's a language that people understand and songs that people already know Hmm. so instead of saying welcome to church 
I know you've never been in a Lutheran church before. Here's some music that you've never heard. You better learn to sing it because everybody around you is singing it. <laughs> Instead, we say, here are some songs you may already know. Mm-hmm. So we use, you know, and, and some of them are more hymn, hymnotic than, you know, contemporary Christian. We use In the Bleak Midwinter, but we use it every week because mm. I'm like, this is a good this is a good hymn. Song. I want you to it's know this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we sing O Come All Ye Faithful around the communion table. Mm. You know, so like, let's pull pieces that you know, or maybe that you even have just heard from, you know, parents or grandparents and their experience with Christianity and pull those pieces in so that when we're doing this sung liturgy together, it feels like something you can keep up with. I'm stealing that idea about O Come Emmanuel around the communion table. So great oh, idea. would you, um, we've also rewritten the words so that it's a communion liturgy. So it's the words of institution written to O Come All Ye Faithful? I don't think most Methodists are, like, that hung up liturgically to care. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know that We're I am We're pretty flexible. Either. We're kind of, yeah, definitely I mean, liturgical flexible. I'm certain I can send that it to you. Jesus grades on a curve or we're all doomed anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if Jesus grades on a curve, does that mean someone's out there ruining the curve for us? Yes. <laughs> I could think of a few names, but let's not go there. <laughs> Ruining it in a positive way. <laughs> There's like those kids. I just now all those the you know, ruiners. The Hermione like, Grangers yes. of the theological <laughs> world. Like just stop. Gosh. Um, <laughs> probably you, but it's okay. On that note, what uh, Harry Potter house are you? Would you say I identify as Hufflepuff? Oh, perfect. <gasps> Me too. Yay! Okay. I bet you are too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you could be Gryffindor <laughs> with your fiery. You, you know what? what? Maybe we should let himself identify. <gasps> You're so right. I'm so sorry. Look at you. <laughs> I guess I was, getting, I was getting a vibe that he doesn't read Harry Potter, so I was jumping into uh, it. I never read it, but I am very fluent in the universe because how could I be 28 in American and not be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We used to give my dad a hard time because he did crossword puzzles and he refused to read Harry Potter. And we were like, someday there's going to be a prompt that says a non-magical person in the Harry Potter world and you're not going to know. That it's a muggle. Exactly. <laughs> and, he, you're, and he was like, that's never going to happen. The New York Times is sacrosanct. And I was like, okay, sure, Dad. It's in there now. Yeah, Every I don't understand like how language and pop culture is. <laughs> no. Right. So uh, do you have a sense of what house you might be in? I, I would think Gryffindor. Okay, yeah. Mm. But I wouldn't be all that surprised if it was Hufflepuff. Either. You're so much love. Just so much love. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll that. That's too. a good space for you, Malachi. A loving space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell. So you were just mentioning your family. Are you, do you have siblings or? Mm-mm, I'm an only child. I have four half brothers and sisters um, from my dad's first marriage, but they are all 19 or more years older than me. Mm, okay. So you get to be you get to be kind of independent. I had a very complex upbringing because I was my mother's only child, but my father's baby, and so mm. like you have the two different parenting styles of what you're trying to do with that child um, yeah. that were sometimes Cute. in sometimes in a little bit of tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But are they? Do they live around here? Or do you... mom still lives in the house that I grew up in? Yep. Oh. Um, my dad passed away four years ago. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, thanks. Um, yeah, dad passed away, which was not surprising. He was 87, so it wasn't um, surprising. Wow. He was 58 when I was born. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were so, wow. yeah, my, my older half-brothers and sisters are 19 or more years older right. than me. Um, my mom was 23 years younger than my dad. Hmm. Um, so right. she was 34 and my dad was 58 when I was born. So you were raised as an only child? Yeah, functionally, yeah. Okay. What is the holiest or most sacred place you've ever been? Ooh. It's one of my favorite questions. That is a good one. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. 
I went to, as mentioned, um, a Lutheran liberal arts private college, which is St. Olaf, just an hour south of here. And I sang in um, the choirs that sang for Christmas Festival. And so it's a two and a half to three hour, very intense choral musical experience that's very heavily centered in Advent. And that still is one of my favorite places to be and is deeply spiritual, meaningfully, meaning deeply spiritually meaningful for me. Mm. Um, I think in the sense that it's this, this space in which there's a, there's a thousand people with all of their energy directed towards one thing, which is like the production of really high quality music. But also within that, what we're centering around is that is the, the coming of the Christmas story and the way that we prepare for that. And they really integrate some beautiful Advent themes. And so there's that tension of like cold and warmth of waiting and receiving. Um, and I, it's still very, just very deeply, oh, very deeply meaningful. Mm-hmm. I love that. So it's specifically the that sort of Advent concert, is it like Specifically one concert? their concert, yes. yes. Yeah. Because, of course, there's also the, like, nostalgia with that of, like, right. oh, I know these pieces, or, like, oh, yeah, they're still doing this thing or that mm-hmm. thing, or, oh, look, what they've changed this year, and that sense of, like, a larger community that we get to integrate with, and then we also sort of then scatter to the winds after that experience. I, I like that a lot. I think that's normal, because I think sacred or holy probably should feel nostalgic because nostalgia feels like home. In mm-hmm. sense. Right, exactly. Are there uh, any people who inspire you? Oh my gosh, absolutely. One, my mom has always been you know, a huge source of inspiration as far as a woman who knew what she wanted and went after it, pursued a lot of her different dreams and goals, also has been very aware of what she couldn't pursue due to the generation she grew up in. She was born in... 51, graduated high school in 1969, and in another, you know, another 10 or 20 years down the line would have gone into engineering, but that was not an option in 69. Um, Ended up being an English teacher and has been fantastic at it, is an incredible writer. You know, I was raised in a very literate household. Books were the thing that were very much a guide point. So that also factors into, you know, who are my who are my inspirations or who are, who are the people that I look to are often other people who've been doing writing work and figuring out how do I take what happens in my life and in the world around me and create a, a map for others to follow. I love the work, for example, that Anne Lamott does in her um, Traveling Mercies series. So Traveling Mercies Plan B and then Grace parentheses eventually. Uh, I love that series because it's very theologically integrated. Uh, I love um, I love the books that um, Rachel Held Evans was able to put into the world before her passing. Uh, I love, love the tenderness with which um, Sarah Bessie writes her books. So she's got Jesus Feminist, Out of Sorts, and then her most recent um, Everyday Miracles, which is just this beautiful and, and messy reflection on, you know, what it means to be physically sick to experience some degree of healing and then to wrestle out also what it needs to be not fully healed um, and yet part of a Christian tradition that talks about healing. And so I love authors and other people who can put their lives and their experiences into the world and be honest about the messiness of it. Mm. I had seen, that's been one of those like pops up on Amazon books, but Mm. I'll have to check. check Everyday Miracles. Yeah. I was Mm going to say, shout out to your mom. And for the dreams that can only be dreamt, the Lord in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm curious about a uh, little bit of a turn, but um, so as United Methodists, clearly things are sort of at a, you know, end game. She's nicer than I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
you know, trying to keep it PG. Right. <laughs> but um, we're kind of at the, like, you know, at a, we're in a pretty challenging place right now. Uh, and I'm curious as to what, if you could walk us through a little bit of what some of the ELCA process has been. You were, you mentioned earlier about the, the national conversation was a little slower than some of your local conversations. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to start there, just hear a little bit about kind of if you could give us an overview of what you saw happen with the ELCA with the Lutheran Church. And then as sort of a follow-up question, if you have any wisdom <laughs> in looking at the Methodist world for mm-hmm. us, like what, based on kind of what's happened with other denominations who've gone through this process. Yeah, the Lutheran Church, the ELCA in its current formation is about as old as I am. And so even from that, so it's only 30-some And even from the beginning of its formation of merger of pre-existing denominations, they were having this conversation around, like, what do we do with um, these gays? With the gays. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, and I think early, you know, in the 80s and 90s, the conversation was, what do you do with the homosexuals? And it's just like, oh, that's so cute. Like, stop using that word. Um, And... White men who call women females. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I get it. Like, I get that that was the word that worked once upon a time. But, like, because that word has been used so clinically and often diagnostically and in a condemning form we don't use that word that way and by the time I came into the Lutheran church so I um, officially became a Lutheran in 2005 so the conversation had been sort of ramping up at that point and we were producing all these different sort of study guides around sexuality so like let's take a really deep dive on some of the passages in the clubber versus let's do some deep exploration of Lutheran theology. But the difficulty that I noticed with this, and I especially noticed it later, is those conversations had to be led by somebody. Mm. We were still at this point where, like, the internet was not a big enough thing where you could be having those conversations online. You had to have congregation, you know, conversations in the local churches that somebody was willing to lead. So if there was a pastor or if there were key leaders in the church that said, we're not having this conversation, it was possible to keep most of the people in the pews completely out of the loop that this conversation was going on on a national level. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. So in 2009, um, when the ELCA finally met at and did General Assembly or Churchwide Assembly here in Minneapolis and had a vote that said, we will permit congregations and synods and bishops to call and roster people who were, uh, because marriage was not legally recognized nationally at the time, in publicly accountable, lifelong, monogamous, same-gender relationships. Um <laughs> You, is this your first time saying that? I mean, it's, it's a really interesting definition of marriage, if mm-hmm. you think about it. And it's a prison. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's what are the values that we are mm-hmm. concretizing? Yes, yeah. Yeah. very much so. So um, when we got to that point, I was working at the publishing house for the Lutheran Church in customer service, and we had people calling in going, you apparently have study guides about this and I need to get my hands on them because I didn't know this was happening. And I was like, how did you not know? Sounds familiar. Right. <laughs> um, so this, the thing that I'm more excited about for conversations that are going on in the Methodist church right now is that we do have a little more flattening of the church in the sense that you can have these conversations and lay people have more access to what's going on because of national coverage, sure, but also because of social media and because of, you know, the proliferation of blogs, vlogs, podcasts, etc., that you can get more access to more ideas around this and be able to make more connections with people rather than feeling sort of siloed as we did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, only 10 years ago. Yeah. So the Lutheran Church lost some people and some congregations, some congregations left. They voted to leave the ELCA. And um, I have all sorts of feelings about that and the choices. I mean, we haven't seen 
I mean, every mainline Protestant denomination in America is dying. So <laughs> when we, you know, get, when we, good news, when we bind up our hands and say like, oh gosh, you know, what are we going to do about the fact that, you know, people have left the ELCI? I'm like, people were leaving anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have, the, at least now they get to leave for like a good reason because we took a good stand on something. Because being homophobic is really the thing we need to make people stay. Right. Yeah. Like that's, and I think, you Let's know, the, the thing that's been exciting is that the Lutheran church having, you know, even just barely dipped its toe into you know, affirmational waters, because really what we've done is say, we will not maintain a punitive process for people who are openly LGBT. So previous to 2009, if somebody knew that you were, if you were openly gay and or queer or trans in any form, you could be reported to um, your synodical council, to your bishop, to your seminary, to your candidacy committee, to your potentially hiring churches. And for any reason they could, you know, then they could say, okay, your, your process is over. Also sounds familiar. Right. (laughs) And now that's, now there isn't a reporting structure to do that. Now that doesn't mean that churches don't still look at openly gay, bisexual, transgender candidates and say, no, Mm. we're not going to hire you. And they can say, we're not going to hire you because we in bound conscience, you know, say that the Bible is clear on this issue and you're not allowed to wear a polyester cotton blend. No, wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) You're not allowed to, what's the, um... So, or you're menstruating, sit on the lawn. Right, you can't sit on the altar because then nobody else can sit on that chair. Um, so Get all, all mixed up. So, the the ELCA has only just barely dipped its toe into affirming waters. Or, or my friend um, Nora likes to say that the bar is just so low for what affirmation means. <laughs> but the thing is about having a bar that is even that low is that there are so many other denominations that are still tripping over it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we are growing in leaps and bounds at Grace Lutheran because we have said explicitly, LGBTQ people are welcome here. We're going to create space for them. We're going to put pronouns on our name tags. We're going to create a separate, um, you know, outreach ministry that specifically focuses on that work and doing care of Christian faith within that community and figuring out how to do it in a, a healthy and healing way. And people are like, you can, you're doing what? Like they're just, people are flabbergasted, which is so interesting because there's a long history of affirming ELCA churches in the Twin Cities. But to the the more public we've been about, like we're affirming, we have an openly queer pastor, we have gay people in our church, the more people have come and said, like, I want to be part of this. And that's where I see a lot of the hope for both ELCA and the other churches that have made that, you know, these affirming decisions and for, I hope, the Methodists is that once we get past that initial that initial attrition, we start to grow again out of people who are faithfully responding and saying, oh my gosh, I've been looking for this this whole time. Well, thank you for yeah. your wisdom in that way. How many yeah. questions did we get to? Well, this is the thing is, here's the thing. I Because I know you're a one, and um, I think we could probably do some rapid fire and get 30 and 30, and oh, I feel like that might make I you I deeply good. appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. So we're going to need seven. Great. Um, Let's do so, this. So, favorite color? Yellow. Uh, favorite song right now? Um, that you like listening to? Like, uh, what's your jam uh, right oh, now? Oh, um, um, uh, Machine by Mr. Wives. <gasps> Ooh, nice. Do you have a rapid fire question? I don't. You keep going. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You should look it up. It's really it's really rad. The chorus is, we're not part of your machine. <gasps> Love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, what's your middle name? Retino. It's a family name. <gasps> That's a cool name. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it means? It's, um, it comes from my great aunt who was a great lover of books. She was the oldest of several children and so she couldn't finish out her schooling, but so she kept up her education by reading. How long have you been married? One year, two months, and three days. Ooh, congratulations. What's one of your favorite things about your partner? 
She's real pretty. Um, <laughs> um, she's also one of the funniest people that I know, and she keeps me on track. Like, she's 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 the best person for making me a, a better pastor because she keeps me honest and real. I love how you unabashedly live with, like, she's really pretty. She is really pretty. I'm sure she will love that if she hears She this. will. She, I say it to her all. It's the only way. Um, when I proposed, I had, like, a whole engagement speech planned out, and then I looked at her, and I completely forgot the whole thing, and then I just said, you're so pretty. Will you marry me? <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes, I absolutely did. That's my new favorite hey, proposal story. if it sounds stupid, but it works, it's not stupid. And what is your favorite Christmas gift? Or I guess you'd say Advent or Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there's a setting of an English poem um, called Two Kings that is about um, the difference between whether it's it's singing about, you know, like sort of medieval peasants. Like if we were if we were receiving um, our king and sovereign lord, we would decorate the whole house and everything would be super ornate. And it's this whole like bouncy and joyful bit of choral piece and then it gets into this really somber adventy thing and says yet at the coming of the king i'll set at six and seven we wallow in our sin christ cannot um we christ cannot find a a home at the inn we entertain him always as a stranger and as at first still lodge him in the manger and it's just it's so dismal and dark and it always makes me feel like yeah let's go into the world and find baby jesus and take <laughs> care of him what's your favorite bible story um, story passage whatever. Luke 15 what I named my book after um, the coin so in there's Luke 15 of where there's this lost sheep and there's a lost son and right in the smack dab middle of it Jesus says God is also like a woman searching for a lost coin and that's my favorite oh hey we did it y'all yes Questions that was minutes. that was cheating, but I'm I'm still okay cheating, with it. But no, it was great. That's usually how I like with editing time, like, with editing things out. <laughs> that's that's how I achieve 30. perfectionism most of the time. It's just <laughs> flagrant cheating. <laughs> are there any questions you'd like to ask us while we're still rolling? Oh, I mean, since we put you on the high seat. What are your favorite Bible passages? Mine has to be the one that's tattooed <laughs> on my arm. Yes, see, here's mine. <laughs> uh, Galatians six nine. Oh, um, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. came to me in a dream when I was pretty much an atheist. I've stuck with me ever since. Oh, wow, that's cool. It's kind of my life first, in a sense. Yeah. You know, put your head down, do the good work, and what you'll get, you'll get in God's time. But that's not the point of working. So mm-hmm. Try explaining that oh. to church folks on a regular basis. You can't work towards heaven, but do the work anyway. Right. <laughs> Sounds like a raw deal. That's the entirety of Lutheranism for me. It's just like, uh, I mean... We're all probably going to heaven, but you should still not be an ass here. Yeah. <laughs> and even if we aren't, you should still not be an ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. Um, mine is the Jacob wrestling with the angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting. Actually, I have kind of two, and they sort of interact. Nope. Sorry, we asked for one. Oh shit! <gasps> <Yeah. gasps> Professionalist <your> one. Throw it down. Throw it down. Did you see see the clip of the Judge Judy episode where the guy says to her, this may be your show, but this is my episode? (laughs) (laughs) He says Judge Judy. She's terrible. I didn't mean to sass you. I have like a natural revulsion to rules if it's not. (laughs) So you two would get along perfectly. But I will share, it's because... The, um, that was what I, what made me decide that I could be a pastor is that like the the name Israel literally means he they who wrestle with God mm-hmm. and I've just always felt like I think coming from the more evangelical community where it was all about like your thoughts and your faith but then being someone who has anxiety it was like I can't trust my thoughts I can't trust mm-hmm. my feelings and so having the idea that like you don't have to have it right you don't have to be like thinking the right thing all the time you just have to be like in the ring be wrestling mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I would have to say that aside from the one tattooed on me, my favorite verse would be uh, Psalm 137, particularly verse 9, uh, because it's a, for you don't know who that is, you could like should go look it up. It's kind of the, I like to think of this like the ickiest verse in the Bible. <laughs> ickiest? Is that um, the dashing the baby's heads against the rocks? And the reason why it's my favorite, I get the face all the time. Uh, it's my favorite because it's a reminder that even your worst self is welcome before God, that you don't have to hide anything, right? Even a thought so ugly, it's like bashing a baby's head against a rock. It's something that you don't have to hide from God because God can see you in your entirety and God is big enough for it. Ooh, that is good. That is good. Well, we are so grateful for you, Emmy. I'm as, so grateful to be on. As Thank we you. said, as we said, you're so famous, especially Lutheran famous, and we're so grateful for your time. No. Uh, the evening. All. <laughs> all right.